from the National Association of Evangelicals, welcome to today's conversation. Our topic, who are evangelicals and where are they headed? Host Leif Anderson, president of the NAE, talks with Ed Stetzer, executive director of LifeWay Research. Let's join in. I'm Leif Anderson, president of NAE, here with Ed Stetzer. Ed Stetzer is the executive director of LifeWay Research, which researches various topics within evangelicalism in the church and offers insight into our evangelical community. He is the executive editor of Facts and Trends, a Christian leadership magazine, and The Gospel Project, which is a weekly curriculum used by over a million people each week. Ed has trained leaders on six continents. He holds two master's degrees and two doctorates. He's written dozens of articles and books, including his most recent books, Subversive Kingdom and Transformational Groups. He's also the lead fellow at the Billy Graham Center in Wheaton College, a visiting professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and Southeastern Seminary, and he serves on the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. And if that isn't enough, he also volunteers as the lead pastor of Grace Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is a congregation that he planted in 2011. At NAE, besides our homepage, the most popular page, more visits than anywhere else, is to the question, what is an evangelical? So many people are asking the question. Evangelicals are a common subject of research, but often the outcomes of that research vary due to the differences in the methods used to identify evangelicals and even the definitions of who is an evangelical. Even the estimated number of U.S. evangelicals ranges from 23% to 35%. So who are evangelicals? What are evangelicals about? And where are evangelicals headed? The NAE initiated the development of an evangelical definition for accurate and consistent use among researchers more than a couple of years ago. And in partnership with LifeWay Research, the definition was crafted and reviewed and tested for validity. And we encourage researchers to use the method. Researchers who are doing studies, those from universities, and those who are doing polling. So Ed, let's start out. You are a professional researcher and know this extremely well. Why is this important to clarify this definition of evangelicals? Well, I think, I think the reality is, is you can look at this definition in multiple ways. You could come at this from, uh, there's, a, there's a thing called the RELTRAD, which is a tool that sits on top of the general social survey that actually uses I, um, kind of what you belong to. You know, you fill, you fill out a form, you say that you're PCA or, or Assemblies of God, Presbyterian Church America, um, you, you will be counted as evangelical. So that's by belonging. We, we think that's helpful. And there's another by self-identification. This is what Pew does. And so Pew identifies you as evangelical if you say that you are an evangelical or you are born again. Um, and so, so that's how Pew uses that. What we're trying to do here in this progress, in this project, two years we worked together with the NAE and with LifeWay Research, uh, is, is to really look at it from a perspective of beliefs. We, we don't, too often it gets categorized, particularly in political seasons, by politics or it gets categorized by some other factor. So by looking at beliefs, we can let people and what they believe place them in the evangelical bucket for research. And it gives us another tool, and I think a helpful tool, and I would say a better tool, than simply saying, uh, well, they attend, this, they attend this church, they might not have evangelical beliefs. Or they might attend a church that has 
uh, non-evangelical beliefs, but they themselves are evangelical. So this, this gives us that tool, and I think it'll be widely received to help people to use this for researchers and analysts to say, all right, who are evangelicals, particularly because it's the NAE uh, life research definition of evangelical belief, and in doing so, it, it sort of helps define for, for, for researchers what the most well-known association of evangelicals thinks defines the beliefs of the movement statistically. So evangelicals actually get to define who are evangelicals instead of somebody externally doing it for us. Which would be, a, a, I think, a helpful thing, considering that uh, I, when you, sometimes when you read things, and you know, in the, in the media or elsewhere, people don't know the difference between an evangelical or, or five other things. So I think getting a, getting a key read from a key organization with a statistically validated process will, will really help uh, answer some of these questions. I'd like you to talk about what the method has been for the NAE LifeWay process. And I, I've got to put this in here. You know all the technical language, so you need to say this in terms that I and others will understand. Um, ex explain how you do this. Well, what's, what's the process through which you go? Yeah, well, we, what you try to ask is, is that are there certain questions that you can ask that people, uh, that people who hold evangelical beliefs will answer and that people who don't hold evangelical beliefs will answer differently. And so, and so that's, what we, that's what we sought to determine. And so uh, and even before we did that, we went through and, and we started with some theologians. And we asked uh, the theologians to help us to come up with some questions. And, and so these, the, these theologians uh, worked with Ron Sellers and, and Great Matter Research and, and came up with a series of questions um, we, when we kind of started the conversation, we wanted to uh, broaden beyond um, a, a smaller group of theologians and have a more diverse group of sociologists, evangelical leaders, and theologians uh, of, uh, of different, um, different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. Um, so we asked sociologists, for example, what do you think about this methodology and approach? And we removed certain kinds of questions, things that are what we called a double barrel that asks, do you believe Jesus is the only way and that you should share the good news? That's a double question rather than do you believe Jesus is the only way? That's some feedback we got from sociologists and, and researchers that we consulted with, like Nancy Ammerman and Christian Smith, Notre Dame, and others. So, so then we, we went by and came up with 17 questions that we then began to test. We were looking to see if they were able to scale out or factor out, I should say, uh, certain groups and keep in others. So we, we tested those questions on one occasion, then we came back again and did another series of tests on those ran them by the group of evangelical leaders and theologians, and back to our original group of theologians and evangel evangelical leaders. And so what we want to end up with, and, and what we ended up with, is, is something that ultimately um, three in ten Americans sort of fit the, the definition, and then, you know, it'll shape you know, other ways you know, how people ask the question, but specifically looking at uh, this kind of statistically validated methodology that that isn't just four questions we came up with, but four questions that we tested, and there, and there are certain relationships between the questions that are worth noting about things we call correlation and elsewhere, but you told me not to get too technical, and I won't. <laughs> but at its simplest, it works statistically, it works theologically, according to the theologians and the NAE, and when those two things come together, we have a good tool and helpful questions. So the process is sort of a 360 from the sociologists to the theologians to the researchers. So there's increased credibility by testing uh, with the professionals. But then you, you test it in terms of uh, surveys as well by phone and online. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Because we want to we want to get a feel for how people will respond to these questions. Because here's the thing: if you ask a question, "Are you a Christian?" I mean, all, almost all evangelicals are going to say yes to that. But so are 
almost all Catholics and almost all mainland Protestants, and and so and 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 we're not we're not laying out this this edict that only only uh, you know mainline Protestants don't matter to us in this conversation. We have friends in that context in that movement, but we're trying to define a subset of Protestantism, a subset of people who call themselves Christians. So to do that, you have to have questions that actually evangelicals answer one way, and that's why strongly agree matters so much. A lot of mainline Protestants would say I agree, but evangelicals at a higher level say I strongly agree. And other other questions like that, so that we, in a sense, factor out others. I mean, one of the big challenges we had in this research, Leaf, as you know, is that so many Americans agreed with these questions at the agree level, um, and so we had to even go to the strongly agree level. And there are some people who just never say strongly agree. It's just their personality type. But in order to get a reasonable and realistic sample uh, of the evangelical beliefs. Uh, we had to take a pretty robust standard, tested it both online and by phone call, uh, to kind of make sure that that well, I won't get too much into the statistics. In other words, to make sure it worked, and it did. And you're comfortable that the margin of error is reasonable. Oh yeah, there's no question. But in both of these things, the margin of error was 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 pretty. Uh, you know, we do a thousand phone calls; it's pretty easy to get a good margin of error. Actually, with 500, you can do a good margin of error. So margin of error shouldn't be a difficulty. But this is where you know people will say, well, what's the exact number? Of Americans who are evangelical, the answer is about one in three. But but we don't do an exact number because there's always a margin of error that could be two or three percent, one direction or the other. So we would expect that somebody would say, you know, that it's two points higher or one point lower. So but this gives people a tool to realistically screen for evangelical belief when they do questions to see how evangelicals would, for example, engage in other questions. So when when asked, some people will say. They're not evangelicals, or at least they won't identify as evangelicals. But by this research, they actually are evangelicals. So it may be um, some denominations that they may belong to that don't use the word evangelical, or the African American church community. Uh, talk a little about who this includes that maybe some other researchers would not include when talking about who is an evangelical. Yeah, that's a great question. So, all right, in a few weeks, I'll be preaching down at the, uh, the Cathedral of St. Luke at the Diocese of Central Florida in the Episcopal Church. Um, the, the bishop is, is uh, Greg Brewer. Um, he is uh, as an evangelical. Uh, I'll be preaching at the cathedral to a bunch of evangelicals, and yet nobody in there, when answering a question on a survey, would be counted if they used the RELTRAD and the General Social Survey. None of them would be evangelicals, though... Uh, they are an evangelical, um, evangelical bishop, evangelical churches. So, so all Episcopalians are counted by, by definition as mainline Protestants, when the reality is Bishop Brewer is, is, is a mainline Protestant who is an evangelical. And so there are a whole lot of people like that. Um, African Americans tend not to identify as evangelicals. And though they actually, as a group, have the highest statistical relationship with evangelical beliefs, and, and part of that's historic, part of that's, uh, part of that's political, because uh, evangelicals are often seen as a political block, which, which, we, we, which we find unhelpful, both theologically and statistically. But, but um, so, so, so what we find in the African-American community is a higher percentage would identify um, as evangelicals. Now, a, a devout Catholic, for example, shouldn't answer these questions yes. I mean, theologically, um, they, they would not hold these things in the same way that we describe them. But there are there are indeed uh, Roman Catholics who would uh, self-identify as Roman Catholics, be, be Roman Catholics, and yet would have agreement with these evangelical beliefs that just would be different than their church uh, on some of these issues. 
you touched on this a little bit before, but let's go back to what do other organizations, other researchers, what have they been using as a way of testing who is an evangelical? Right. Well, you have, you have the, the, you know, we mentioned between 25, 35%. So Pew says if you say you're an evangelical and you're, or you say and or you say you are born again, you're counted as an evangelical, which, by the way, now means that the major, using Pew's data, the majority of Americans who attend church regularly are actually evangelicals using Pew's data. Because a lot of Catholics and mainline Protestants say that they're born again as well. So that's Pew. Uh, they're probably the, on the high end. On the low end, uh, actually, uh, Barna Research has a kind of an eight-point statistical definition that they've created that includes like a literal devil and, you know, views of the scripture, and, and, and that gets evangelical. Um, I think they call it worldview. I think that gets it down to about 8%. Um, and so, so, you know, so there's, and, and then the, the, the RELTRAD, the General Social Survey, um, primarily does it by where you say you go to church. So, um, and, and so if you say that you're, let's talk Presbyterian, if you say your, your church is PCUSA, you get in the mainline bucket. If you're a PCA or ARP, you get in the evangelical bucket. Um, and so, you know, almost all Pentecostals would be in the evangelical bucket. Uh, Baptists, American Baptists would be mainline. Southern Baptists would be evangelical. Um, so, 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 I mean, it, we, we see those patterns, right? Belonging is one way to do it, right? Uh, and, and, and that's a helpful way. We're not, we're not opposed to that. We think that's a helpful way. Um, but it doesn't get at beliefs. And so self-identification is another way to do it. Uh, here we're, we're getting specifically to, uh, specifically to beliefs that define it, which since evangelicalism is, and we look at the Bebbington quadrilateral, which we haven't defined, but people who Google it sort of four things that define an evangelical, uh, these very much line up with three, but not the part about uh, belonging or behavior, because belonging and behavior are, are uh, different functions of research. These are belief questions where the fourth Bevington quadrilateral issue specifically gets at some issues of behavior. And there's some in America who would throw in politics as one of the identifying characteristics of evangelicals, and you haven't used that word at all. I would say some people who don't understand evangelicalism would say that defy politics. But here's the deal, and, and, and we've talked about this, uh, Leith, you and I. Um, evangelicals are not a voting block of a party. However, statistically, evangelicals tend to vote a certain way because it appears that the belief systems tend to correlate with certain voting patterns. So it would be, it'd be disingenuous to say that there's not a pattern. Because there's a pattern politically, I mean, here's a pattern that people don't like to say out loud, right? The less you go to church, the more likely you are to be a Democrat. The more you go to church, the more likely you are to be a Republican. That's just a statistical reality. I mean, facts are our friends. Math is hard, but it's worth doing. Um, don't get mad because that's a statistical reality. Now, are there Democrats who are evangelicals? Sure. Do evangelicals not like to be generally seen as Republicans, as a bloc? Absolutely. Those things are, are true. But there are statistical realities that make people come to these conclusions. A belief-based de uh, definition, however, makes it clearer that who you voted for in the last election is not the determinant of your evangelicalism. Evangelical belief is a better determinant. And even the politics would vary by race and religion, depending on where you were in the country and what is your race. Absolutely. When we talk about broad categories, we're talking about likely becomes a category of, of, of everybody. And so when we talk about everybody, that's the statistical pattern. But it varies across the country. It varies in ethnicity. It varies in even language spoken at home impacts some of these things. All right. We've talked all around it, but we haven't heard what is the definition. So what are the questions asked? And then 
to talk also about the level of agreement required. So there, there are four questions or four points to the definition, and they are? Well, and we should joke, of course, that, you know, there's someone said to me that they are uh, four-point evangelicals because we've got, you know, I hear there are five-point things and three-point things, so now these are, these are four-point evangelicals. So these questions, and first, they all have to be strongly agree, not just uh, somewhat agree, but, but strongly agree. And as we kind of look through them, we get a picture that they're largely driven by not their actions, their, not their behavior, not their belonging, but specifically their beliefs. So let me, let me walk through them. Uh, so so the, the first one is specifically uh, geared towards the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. So there's a biblicism that's there. The second one, it's very important for me to personally encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't think we can call ourselves evangelicals and not care about evangelism. Um, the third one is Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. And so there's a very specific crucicentrism here that, that the centrality of the cross in the Christian message. And then finally, there's a bit of an exclusivism here. This is part of the, the fundamental evangelical belief that only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. Now, there's probably not an evangelical listening to this podcast who can't agree with all four of those attributes strongly, and that's why it makes a good evangelical belief statement. All right, those are all strong, very strong belief statements, and there has to be strong agreement, and yet it's still 30% of Americans. Is that right? Yeah, which I think has to be the stunning reality here. I mean, I mean if we just wanted to say agree, you know, the National Association of Evangelicals and Lifeway Research could claim half the country. Um, and so, but, but that wouldn't line up with, with reality and observation and church attendance patterns at RELTRAD and Pew and other quality research organizations. So, so where the belief definition came up with is, is 3 in 10, about 30%, um, actually, identi uh, actually would identify by their beliefs with being evangelical. But I think that's important. I mean, that's, you know, people throw on a 100 million number. That, I think that's a fair estimation of the, the number of people who have evangelical beliefs. Now, we should say, Leith, that that doesn't mean they all go to evangelical churches. It doesn't mean they're all following Jesus. It means that they believe these things. We'd like that belief to correlate with behavior. We know that it always doesn't always, but this is what evangelicals believe in this statistical sense. Well, this is uh, really important, really informative, and I, I hope it's uh, a trajectory that uh, other researchers are going to tap into and use because, to me, it's pretty obvious what the, the shortcomings are of the others. But while I have you, uh, let me ask you some other questions that go beyond this more broadly because you're researching extensively and you know a lot. So in broad terms, where is Christianity at in America? Where is it going? Is it dying? Is it increasing? What's happening? Well, Christianity dying is kind of a theme. It's a meme almost out there. And there's all kinds of, almost an evangelical sky is falling industrial complex telling us that it's dying books, conferences, and and yet no real researcher anywhere believes that Christianity is dying in America. Not a single one. And so so you have to sort of get beyond the the evangelical books that often have good prescriptions. You know, we've got to love Jesus more, we gotta we gotta reach our neighbors, but have really bad descriptions of the state of the church and the culture today. Um, what we see is this, and, and I think the most recent Pew data sort of got at what a lot of us have been saying for a few years, is that America is becoming decidedly more secular, but still is a remarkably devout and religious nation. Matter of fact, I mean, Americans are more religious, if you look at in congregational engagement, Americans are more religious than Iranians. And so, so we see a pretty robust engagement, but we, what we find is 
is is those who are devout, uh, I call them in the USA Today article, the convictional Christians, people who call themselves Christian and sort of order their lives around that truth and reality, that's about 25% of the population. Um, and that includes evangelicals, but not just evangelicals. There are other groups that call themselves Christians and sort of order their lives around. They, they, they ask, where should I go to school? Who should I marry? What am I going to do? What are my values and morality? They're shaped by my, my Christian self-identification, my Christian faith. Um, that has remained relatively steady. And when I started saying that a couple of years ago, it was almost like people said, no, it's not, no, it's not. Well, I was encouraged at the, the most recent Pew data, which finally got at the, the devout question. I mean, the headlines were pretty much everywhere. I think RNS, Religion News Service headline, was um, America becomes more secular while the faithful remain devout. And I think, so I think that's the big story, that nominal Christianity is in decline. People who self-identify as Christianity is in decline. The, the largest, excuse me, the fastest growing category is people who have no religious faith. Um, for the first time ever, we have a mainstream uh, political candidate, Bernie Sanders, who self-identifies as being a secular person. Until now, and I'm, I'm not saying that every person who ran for president up till now was, was a devout Christian or a devout religious person, but now we have a mainstream candidate who's secular and it's okay. Well, that's because there's an increasing secularism in our society. We call it the rise of the nuns, the people who say none of the above. Where are they coming from? A lot of different places. There's some generational replacement, um, but, but what we see is a fast shrinking, but still the largest category is nominal Christians. It's those neighbors who don't go to church but say they're a Christian or or maybe they go to church on Christmas and Easter and say they're a Christian. That's declining. That swishy middle is, is shrinking and being compressed. Some of them are becoming the nuns. Uh, other, other things are taking place, too, to make the nuns. So, so what I would say is the, the sky is not falling statistically. The sky is not falling, but the ground is shifting. The, the ground around, uh, under us is becoming more secular. We're losing, in a sense, our home field advantage where the majority of people sort of thought of themselves in Christianish terms. Um, but the devout have remained relatively faithful. So the question is, if the mission field is changing, will the mission force be more faithful and engaging? And so I think that's the real issue for the future. And I'm, I'm optimistic that the downward pressure on Christian belief, we can stop pretending we're a religious majority and really embrace being a convictional minority the downward pressure on religious belief, actually, we actually have some statistical trend. I mean, millennials who are Christians who practice are actually more devout over the last few years rather than less so. So I think the end result may be a more devout faith engaging the context around us for the cause of Christ. Is it an actual increase in the number of people whose religion is none, or is it a similar percentage and they feel a greater freedom to declare it because culturally they couldn't in the past? It's, it's, it's a great question, and it's something actually that, that I've opined on. Uh, I, I, I called it, is it an outbreak of honesty? Um, because, because a lot of people who sort of felt they had to say they were Christian because there was a, there was a bit of a cultural cachet that came with being a Christian, uh, they're just saying that they don't have to be anymore. I don't think that's the only thing that's going on, Leaf, but yes, I do think that part of it is cultural Christians, without any change of belief and practice, are dropping a label and becoming irreligious or secular people, but they really had that worldview before just with a veneer of a Christian label because when they filled out a survey, they didn't want to say that they were Jewish or, or Hindu or an atheist, but now they got another option. I'm just, really, I'm just really nothing. Now, that's not the only thing that's going on, but yes, I think that's definitely what's going on. So again, because it, part of it explains how have the devout remained relatively steady. You know, all these predictions, churches dying. You know, I, I spoke yesterday at a conference, and I asked, how many of you thought 
the church attendance in 1972, that's when the general social survey started, so I happen to know the church attendance. What do you think the percentage of Americans who went to church regularly was? We kind of averaged out the answers, about 55% people said. And I said, what do you think it is now? And they averaged out the answers and said, well, it's about, it's about 15%. So the perception of pastors in the room was that since 1972 till today, church attendance has dropped from weekly 55% of Americans to uh, 15% of Americans. The answer actually is it's dropped from 23% of Americans to about 20% of Americans. And actually, over the last few years, it's actually averaged 21 or 22%. So we're talking a one, two, three percentage point drop. And yet there's this perception of collapse, largely driven by some of the shrill voices, the sky is falling, also driven by some by media reporting. Most of the media reporting reports engages mainline Protestantism, which actually is in statistical language. But that's not what the totality of the Christian message is in North America. Well, there are clearly people that like bad news. I'm sorry about Indeed. that. So you, you talked about the mainline. The NAE has about 40 member denominations, and I'm frequently in conversation with their CEOs and their people. And overwhelmingly, I get reports of increased church attendance, uh, new churches starting, uh, churches that are joining these denominations. It, it's really a, a good news story for almost all of our member denominations. And then I, I read statistics about mainline denominations that are shrinking. Why is that? What, what's okay, the difference well, between them? Well, first, you're supposed to say that. So you have, you have a built-in motivation to say things are going well so that your salary will continue to be paid and you'll be successful as the leader of the NAE. And I'm now, committed to the truth. I mean, that's important. <laughs> you are, but, but, here's, but here's what people say. The difference is between you and me is that if I were to write a book saying the sky is falling, I would have a million book sales compared to my paltry book sales thus far. Um, so, because crises sell books. So you're telling the truth. I mean, the Assemblies of God just celebrated 25 years of consecutive growth. Um, and so you're telling the truth, but people can discount that because you're head of the organization that represents evangelicals. But for me, I would have the opposite benefit. But then, Let's look at all the researchers. We've talked to Christian Smith. We've talked to Robert Wood now. We've talked to Nancy Ameren. We've talked to Rodney Stark. Consistent theme. Evangelicalism is actually doing pretty well in the midst of the cultural milieu we find ourselves. However, mainline Protestantism is not. Now, obviously, the question why. Well, some of it's demographic, um, and, and, that's, and that's, all, that's the case with evangelicals as well. Many evangelicals are in the wrong place demographically. We're moving from rural to urban. There's a lot of factors going on there. But that's not the totality of it. I mean, there is a correlation. Uh, Dean Kelly wrote a book a few years ago called well, Why Conservative Churches are, are Growing. There is a correlation between, um, between moving uh, to theologically uh, away from basic evangelical belief, um, which mainline denominations were the evangelicals before. Um, and, but but, but I, and I think you, you find that, that, that the kind of people who would relate to, let me, let me take off my evangelical hat for just a second and put on a researcher hat. The kind of people who would relate to the mainline Protestant message that's more progressive, that's more um, impressive, progressive on sexuality issues, and well, a whole race, scripture issues, authority issues, welcoming issues, um, whatever issues. Um, the people who would be most aligned with that belief system are the least religious in our society. So in a sense, Mainline Protestants moved in a direction to say, we're going to kind of, kind of try to engage. I mean, most of the people I hear want to engage the community better by changing our beliefs. They, they became a little more palatable, compatible and, and palatable to culture. And the great irony is in the desire to reach people, their churches became the fastest shrinking. Um, and it's really, 
it's really a stunning decline statistically. Again, using the general social survey numbers, I mean, you, you look at, uh, again, we only have, the general social survey only goes back to 1972, but, but if you look back to, to that time, to, to 1972, uh, mainline Protestants made up, um, made up about a third of the population, uh, self-identification, 28% uh, of Americans said they attended a main, or were part of a mainline Protestant church. Now it's 12%, and that's a stunning decline, and only 3.6% actually of Americans are regular mainline church attenders. Only 3.6%. By the way, it's actually 12% among evangelicals. One out of eight Americans is a regular church-attending evangelical. So statistically, mainline Protestants and evangelicals really might as well be two totally different religions because they don't look at all alike statistically. All right, that brings me to one last question. I'm going to ask you to become a prophet and ask what's your prediction for evangelicalism in the next 10 years, the next decade? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a prophet, not the son of a prophet. I, I work at a nonprofit research firm, so I, I have to be cautious. Because um, here's the thing. Um, you don't know where things are going to shift. I mean, we saw a peak of religious belief in the 50s and the late 80s and the early 90s. Could go back up, could go back down. All that caveated aside. Here's what, here's what I think. I, I believe that evangelicalism will experience, it peaked in the late 80s, early 90s, and it's, it's experienced some slight decline. I believe that slight decline will continue for the next 10, 15 years. I think afterwards, they'll get to a place, because we're going through a cultural shift that evangelicals have to get on the other side of and get their, get their feet on the shifting ground, get, get re-grounded. But I think that they will, and in 10, 15 years from now, I see a slightly smaller and and this is what Operation World also, this is not unique to me, Operation World, uh, the Center for Study of, of uh, Global Christianity and the others, when they look at North America, sort of see a slight decline. But I think after that, I think there's a sense that there's a, uh, there's a body of robust believers, evangelical believers, one out of eight now, might be about that, 10, 15 years from now. But I think ultimately, as the culture sort of strips away its Christian veneer, um, its nominal Christian expression of belief, that evangelicals, who are now really the main line, Evangelicals will, will I, I believe, and I'm certainly working towards this end, engage their communities on mission, will show and share the love of Jesus to a broken and hurting world, will get through some of the wars that I think are going to be the next 10, 15 years around culture and liberty and things of that sort. And after we've sort of negotiated our way through that, can get even more focused on mission. And I think believe to make some advance, make some steps within a sec an increasingly secular society where that squishy middle of nominal Christianity is, is declined to the point where it's, it's even lower than it is today. Real Christianity on the margins, that convictional Christian Christianity has the opportunity to shine. And I think at that point, and again, right now there's churches doing that, doing great. I think that'll become more evident two, one or two decades from now. Great analysis. I agree, and that's the way I see it. And let me just say that our guest on today's conversation has been Ed Stetzer, Executive Director of LifeWay Research. I'm Leith Anderson, and on behalf of us all, very special thanks to Ed. The National Association of Evangelicals is where we use influence for good. Today's conversation is one of many ways we connect and represent evangelical Christians in the United States. To discover more NAE topics and resources for you and your church, please follow along on Twitter at NAEvangelicals or on our Facebook page for the National Association of Evangelicals. And sign up for our email list when you visit our website at nae.net. <laughs>